Killer remix drop. Medicine We're remix, here. fam. Scary V. remix. Next big thing, get on it now. Appreciate that, brother. Make the most of today. Thank you for listening. You're listening to Medicine Remixed. What's really good, Remixed Hood? It's your boy, Reesh, and it's your favorite podcast, Medicine Remixed. And today's episode is somewhat of a timely throwback to an episode we did about the flu last year. Just this past week, the director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, aka the CDC, Dr. Robert Redfield, revealed in an interview with the Associated Press that an estimated 80,000 Americans died of flu and its complications last winter. In recent years, flu-related deaths have ranged anywhere from 12,000 to, in the worst year, 56,000, according to the CDC. Last year, the U.S. went through one of the most severe flu seasons in recent memory, and it was driven by a kind of flu that tends to put more people in the hospital and cause more deaths particularly at the extremes of life among young children and the elderly. It was estimated that 80% of hospitalized children were not vaccinated and that most of the deaths were among the non-vaccinated, not surprisingly. Even though the flu vaccine didn't work amazingly well last year, all the experts will tell you that vaccination is always still worth it because it makes illnesses less severe and will absolutely save lives in the end. U.S. health officials were scheduled to hold a media event in Washington, D.C. today to stress the importance of vaccinations to protect against whatever flu circulates this coming winter. So far, experts are saying the flu that's been detected is a much milder strain than the one seen last year, and early signs are that the vaccine is shaping up to be a good match. We'll see how everything ultimately plays out, but please, please, please do your part, wash your hands, and get your flu shot. Next up, we're going to be running back our famous flu episode. So hit us up with any questions on Anchor or on social media. You're listening to the one and only Medicine Remix. The real nighttime sniffling, sneezing, coughing, aching, stuffy head fever so you can rest medicine. What it do, Medicine Remix crew, it's your boy Reesh, and it's probably your least favorite season. Hey, Troy sneezes like a girl, and how about I pound you like a boy, that didn't come out right. Cold and flu season, that is, and it's been a brutal one. Flu season is not easing its grip on much of the United States. 48 states are reporting widespread flu activity. The outbreak is reaching levels not seen in nearly a decade. If you happen to be listening to this and feel like absolute shit right now, well, you may have caught a cold. Or is it the flu? Have no clue? Then boy, do we have an episode for you. The common cold is a viral upper respiratory infection, or URI for short. Common cold is caused by a shit ton of different viruses. Uh Common viruses include para-influenza virus, coronavirus, which is way worse than it sounds, beer fans, and the OG... 
of the common cold game is rhinovirus. Rhino. Do we need to compare him to a rhinoceros? Which is responsible for almost half of common cold cases. Whoa. Symptoms of the common cold, in case you're the one guy or gal listening that has never experienced one, are things like being congested as fuck, with a runny nose, which in medicalese is known as rhinorrhea. Not as fun to have as it is to say by any means. <laughs> Other cold symptoms are things like sneezing, sore throat, cough, a low-grade fever, usually less than 101 degrees Fahrenheit or 38 degrees Celsius. Other symptoms include headaches and feeling like death. I see dead people. Or malaise in medicalese. Oh, okay. Common cold symptoms can last up to a week and a half, but can be a few days longer if you're a smoker. One of the big differences between symptoms of a cold and the flu is that symptoms last twice as long with the flu. Fevers are way higher, usually over 101 degrees Fahrenheit or 38 degrees Celsius, and you're generally less congested but have way more body pains with the flu in comparison with the common cold. The flu is generally more achy than leaky, if you will. Whether cold or flu, antibiotics will not work for either. Run that shit back one more again. Antibiotics will not work for either a cold or the flu. The cold and the flu are caused by viral infections, viruses. Uh. Antibiotics treat bacterial infections, bacteria, Bro. facts. The best treatment for the cold and or the flu is rest staying hydrated, and taking your over-the-counter drug of choice to help reduce your symptoms. My go-to moves are sleeping a shit ton, drinking some electrolyte-enhanced water. Occasionally, I'll take an over-the-counter decongestant or antihistamine if the symptoms are really bad. One of my more recent go-tos is feeding on little else than a good tom yam soup, which is a spicy Thai soup that puts chicken noodle soup to absolute fucking shame. If you were raised by immigrant parents like me, this vivid description of a timeless home remedy by comedian Sebastian Maniscalco is actually worth a try if you can tolerate it. I grew up, I was covered in Vicks. We have vats of Vicks, they would just rub, just rub me. They would boil water, they would drop the Vicks in the water, then I would have to hover over the water. 183 degrees, breathing. And a beach towel would come over my head. I'm like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Get it off. They would just hold me there. Hey, stay. I can't. I can't breathe. Don't we have halls? We need halls. Brings back some horrible memories. But as crazy uncomfortable as that Vicks vapor sauna was, it also cleared up the congestion out like a fucking boss. An angry fucking boss. Anyway, some things that don't really work that I see people doing all the time. There's no good evidence that taking vitamin C while you're already sick does a damn thing. Talk to him. Some studies show that taking zinc supplements may reduce the duration of a cold by like 24 hours, but the truth is the risk of taking too much zinc is way worse than having cold symptoms for an extra fucking day. So if you're gonna do it, as always, be careful and preferably run it by a doctor first. And keep in mind, there's no evidence to suggest that zinc prevents colds or helps reduce any of its symptoms in any way. Uh -uh. Things that can prevent colds are washing your hands, especially after you shake somebody's filthy hand. Ugh. And if you're sick with the sniffles, 
please do not sneeze into your hands. That's how you spread the sickness. Worse. Sneeze into your elbow. What? Instead, that's right, your elbow. Other good things not to do. Don't touch your face, especially your nose and your eyes, since that's how those pesky little viruses can break in and enter our bodies. Ugh. Definitely do not bite your nails if you're a nail biter, and I'm guilty of this. And I've found chewing gum has been a pretty good hack for me to keep myself from biting my own damn nails. The things that normally promote a healthy immune system, you know, like getting eight to 10 hours of sleep, eating healthy and exercising, will all help prevent you from catching a cold. Yeah! Obviously, you try to stay away from people that already have a cold, and if you're a smoker, if you needed yet another reason to quit, smoking destroys the little hair-like fibers inside our noses called cilia, which is part of our first line of defense against infections like a cold and the flu. Yeah! Always beware of dips at parties at all times, especially during flu season, especially when there are some alleged double dippers around. Double dipped? What, what, what are you talking about? You dipped the chip, you took a bite, and you dipped again. So? That's like putting your whole mouth right in the dip. We'd hate for you to go out like that. Ugh. Make sure you smile and laugh as much as possible. Seriously? Seriously. No bullshit. Things like smiling and <laughs> laughing reduce stress hormones like cortisol in your body. Damn, son. Where'd you find this? Increased cortisol suppresses our immune system, which is a bad look for trying not to get sick. So although laughter might not always be the best medicine, it's definitely a medicine. And that shit is both organic and free as fuck. So there's no excuse. There you have it, some cold hard facts about colds. Next up, Debunked lives up to his name by calling out Yo Mama for the opposite of cold hard facts, warm, soft myths. Your mom may have told you about catching a cold from not dressing warm enough. Listen to debunk, debunk these cold-blooded lies that have lasted the test of time. Yo, this is your boy, Debunk. I don't know about you guys, but coming from an immigrant family, there was always this weird sort of subculture of medicine going on within our neighborhood. Uh, there was always somebody who knew what route you should be making into a tea. Don't we have any Tylenol? <laughs> or what sort of ointment you should be using for that rash. Yeah, boy, let that tussin get in there, boy. Yada, yada, yada. But one of the deeply held beliefs within my own family, and ironically, a lot of other families from vastly different parts of the world, that if you go outside when your hair's wet and it's cold, you're gonna get sick. Has anybody else ever heard this? Yeah. The reason I bring it up is because recently my girlfriend and I were sitting around and she kind of had the sniffles. Sort of under her breath, she says, ah, I bet it's because we took the dog out for a walk and my hair was still wet. Um, okay. She has a master's degree. She is an occupational therapist. She should, <laughs> she should be thinking more along the lines of evidence-based beliefs, but not at all what came out of her mouth. And I sort of laughed and she got upset about it. And then she stood her ground and she said, yeah, you'll get sick if you do that. And I said, well, no, you won't. And she said, yeah, you will. So I had to school her. We went straight research based on her. And finally, I think she gave in. So for those of you that were wondering, if you had look for it, here's what you're going to find. One is you don't tend to catch a cold if you do that. If you go outside, wet, cold, damp. But the 
question then is, why do so many more people tend to get colds when we're in colder months? And it's actually quite simple. Talk to them. One, it's that when it's cold outside, people tend to huddle and congregate indoors. Uh. That being said, more people equals more germs. More germs, more viruses, more opportunities to pass those along. You increase your chances of picking one of those up and getting sick. The other interesting tidbit is that in colder climates, the air tends to be a bit more dry. And by dry, it's less humid. Less humid, if you think about it, it would be less sort of water particles in the air where a nasty little virus could hang out and extend its opportunity to infect another host. And the last thing was, apparently, when it's a bit colder out, it makes the environment within the nasal passages within your nostrils a bit more homey for these bugs to hang out and wait to be either taken in to your respiratory system or to be launched outwardly into the world to infect another passerby. So there you go. I ain't calling your mama a liar, but she lying. Damn, shots fired. Vitamin D bunked. Dropping some not-so-common heat about catching the common cold. Speaking of vitamin D, the actual vitamin, that is, another reason we tend to catch a cold or the flu during the colder months is that it's conveniently the time of year when the sun is lower in the sky, and so our skin makes less vitamin D than when the sun is higher in the sky, believe it or not. And less vitamin D brings down your immune system. So catching a cold or the flu is a perfect storm of lower vitamin D levels during the colder months, cold weather forcing people to stay indoors more. So if one person inside is sick, that shit goes viral, shall we say? And the fact that the optimal environment for a virus to live longer is in low humidity conditions, which is also true during the colder months. So although yo mama might have been right about being more likely to catch a cold or the flu when it's cold out, she's right for none of the reasons she told you. (laughs) Okay, enough shots fired at your mama, but speaking of shots fired, let's rap real quick about flu shots. Why they're important for most most people to get and why it's not too late to get one if you haven't. So anyway, almost everyone and, well, their mother, is literally talking about how it's shaping up to be one of the worst flu seasons in years. Explain that outfit. I bought a suit. You've seen it. Now it's covered in mud. This town doesn't have a one-hour cleanest, so I had to buy a new suit. Except that the only store you could buy a new suit in has got the flu. You get that? The whole store got the flu. A fun fact, or not so fun fact, depending on your perspective, for any medical history nerds listening to this, is that 2018 is the 100-year anniversary of the Spanish flu pandemic of 1918. Oh, okay. The deadliest in history, as it infected an estimated half a billion people worldwide. which was about one-third of the world's population at the time and killed anywhere from 20 million to 50 million people, including 675,000 Americans. And that was a century ago. And of course, medicine has certainly come a long way since then. A hundred years ago, doctors were trying everything they knew or even heard of to try to help patients. Anything from the ancient
ancient art of bloodletting. Oh God. Truly a lost art in the best way possible, by the way, to administering oxygen, to trying to develop a vaccine. And actually the only thing at the time that showed any promise of success was transfusing blood from recovered patients to newly infected patients. Oh God. If you can wrap your head around that shit. <laughs> can you imagine if patients or doctors from that time period were alive today to witness the fucking nerve of us modern folk just casually refusing the very miracle doctors and patients were hoping for a century ago so a third of the world's population didn't just get wiped off the face of the earth. Anyway, with a little over 150 million doses of the vaccine given so far this flu season in the United States, that's less than half of the American population. Vaccination against influenza began in the 1930s with large-scale availability in the United States beginning in 1945, around World War II time. The influenza vaccine is on the World Health Organization's list of essential medicines, which are defined as the most effective and safe medicines needed in a health system. Both the World Health Organization and the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, aka the CDC, recommends the flu vaccine as the best way to protect people against the flu and prevent its spread. But even with all the hype and hysteria, it never fails. We hear it every year. Flu shot. Fuck that. I'm not getting no flu shot. Or I don't fuck with the flu shot. The last time I got it, it gave me the flu. Or the always classic, why would I ever get the flu shot again? I got that shit last year and I still got the flu. And maybe my all-time favorite moment of when I asked someone if they got their flu shot and they said, yeah, when pigs fly. And to that, I said, guess what? Swine flu. Man, you corny! He didn't get it. Neither the joke nor the flu shot, but what he did get was the flu. <laughs> And with that being said, we at Medicine Remix decided to put together a short segment about why getting the flu shot won't give you the flu, can't give you the flu, but also why it can't guarantee you won't get it either. Like the common cold, the flu is also caused by a virus, but not the same type of viruses that cause the common cold. Show. Flu is short for influenza, the name of the virus responsible for the flu. And the two main flu-causing subtypes of the influenza virus are influenza A and influenza B. The virus is transmitted through the air, you get it by breathing it in, or through direct contact, you know, by touching your eyes, your yeah. nose, your face, stuff like that, direct contact. Worse. Or depending on the strain, it could even be spread from animals to humans. Influenza A can infect birds, pigs, and humans, whereas influenza B almost exclusively infects humans. And influenza A is what causes pandemics, which occurs because of a phenomenon called antigenic shift. And when that happens, it causes the reassortment of the viral genome, like when the human flu combines with the swine flu, for example. Whoa. So an antigenic shift is basically when shit hits the fan, whereas an antigenic drift is when minor mutations happen and cause epidemics. And these mutations cause changes in specific proteins on the virus, namely hemagglutinin antigen, which is what allows the virus to get into a cell, and the neuraminidase antigen, which promotes the release of the infectious viral particles. Uh. Hemagglutinin is referred to as H, and neuraminidase is referred to as N. So when you hear H1N1, which was the strain responsible for the 2009 pandemic, that's what the H and the N are referring to. That's the strain. Oh, okay. So this year's flu season 
is more severe than usual because it involves the notorious H3N2, oh. a strain of the influenza A virus that causes more health complications and is way more difficult to prevent than seasons involving mostly H1N1 or influenza B viruses. Yeah. And this year, nearly 90% of the flu cases involve H3N2. And to understand why the H3N2 strain is harder to prevent with the flu vaccine, you first need to know a thing or two about how the flu vaccine actually works. So the basics, without getting too sciencey on you, let's talk about the flu shot itself. So when you get a flu shot, what you're actually getting is what's known as a killed virus, which means the virus in the vaccine is, well, dead. That right there is why there is no way the flu vaccine can actually give you the flu. I like this right here. It's impossible. The virus is dead. At this point, you're probably wondering to yourself, if what's in the flu shot is dead, then what the fuck is the point of getting it, right? Uh, Fair question, and here's an easy way to think about it. Your body has its own defense system, aka your immune system, against intruders, so you can think of the immune response to an infection as armies of guard dogs running throughout your body, attacking suspicious-looking characters who might otherwise do you harm. And these guard dogs have been trained to sniff out your run-of-the-mill home intruders, so most of the time when a burglar playing the role of the virus in our analogy, tries to make its way into your body, your dogs are on the prowl and ready to handle your body's business. There's only one problem in this hypothetical scenario. Every year, the home intruder gets a little more clever and they switch things up a bit. Maybe they ditch the hoodies and ski masks since it's too cliche and obvious. And this year, they decide to wear, I don't know, Lululemons and avocado facial masks instead. <laughs> anyway, now imagine the intruder makes his or her way inside your house and it isn't until he or she starts fucking shit up that your guard dogs realize, oh, shit. we gotta do something. At which point they jump into action and try their best to control the shittyation. Shitty situation is a shittyation. But anyway, your dogs are a little late to respond to the breaking and entering since the Lululemons and avocado masks threw them off. And though they eventually catch on and spring into action, the damage has already been done at that point. AKA healthy cells die. The only one upside to this scenario is that if those Lululemon avocado mask wearing motherfuckers come around this bitch one more again, you can be sure your dogs got your back. What the flu shot does is basically offer up training for your immune system, your guard dogs. The three most common looks for home intruders in your neighborhood that year are identified, ragdoll versions of them are made, and dressed to look exactly like them. And the dogs are then introduced to the fake ass ragdoll intruders and are trained to attack them on site. Even if it takes them a little while to be trained, analogous to the fact that the flu shot takes about two weeks to kick in and form protective antibodies. It's okay because the ragdolls pose no threat they're not real, yeah. just as the killed virus in the flu shot is not a threat either. Uh. The idea is this, now that the guard dogs know what they're looking for, if and when the actual intruder shows up, there will be little to no delay in attacking the shit out of them and shutting that shit down. With no time to fuck shit up, the bad guys stand little chance to do any harm to the home or the people inside, aka your lungs and its healthy cells. Now that you hopefully have a little better understanding of why we get flu shots in the first place and how they work, let's talk about why some people still get the flu despite having received their flu shot. And one simple explanation is that, again, continuing with our guard dog and home intruder analogy, the home intruder was not dressed like one of the three ragdolls included in the training, aka the vaccine. You know, makers of the flu shot do their very best to identify the top three suspect strains they think will most 
most likely be infecting people in your area. However, there's no way they can possibly account for all of the flu strains, just like it would be impossible to guess what every potential home intruder would look like. And the vaccine is designed to protect people against three or four strains of the influenza A and B viruses that researchers believe will be most common in a given year. So every year, public health agencies basically make their best guesses on what strains and mutations will take the big stage. We look at Australia's flu season, which happens like six months before ours, peaking in August, and actually the notorious H3N2 hit Australia this past year as well, and racked up more than two and a half times the number of flu cases compared to the previous year, Whoa. and 745 deaths compared to the five-year average of 176 deaths. Oh God. And H3N2 seems to be particularly resistant to the influenza vaccine because it mutates as it moves through the population at a faster rate than other flu viruses, Whoa. and that makes it hard to design a vaccine for it. And it's also way more difficult to grow H3N2 in eggs, which is where viruses for most flu vaccines are produced. The process of adapting H3N2 to grow in eggs seems to cause further mutations to the virus, which fucks with the vaccine's effectiveness because it trains the immune system to be on the lookout for the wrong viruses. It's like if a police sketch artist drew a suspect who looked like Donald Glover, aka Childish Gambino, this is America. but the real perpetrator made some changes to look like Donald Trump, this is America, aka Childish Bambino. But anyway, apparently those type of mutations don't arise, or at least don't arise as often or to the same degree with vaccines produced in other mediums, like insect cells. But those are way more expensive. Those be like the Dom Perignon of flu vaccines, so might not be as affordable. But to wrap up all this flu talk, flu vaccines are far from perfect, but life is all about percentages and odds. So the idea is to stack the odds in your favor. If you're at risk for catching the flu, which we all are, identifying the most likely suspects to get you, and then creating a vaccine against those suspect virus strains is the name of the game. It's that simple. The flu vaccine can reduce the severity of the flu even if a person contracts a flu strain that the vaccine did not contain. And that's why it's still a really good idea to get a flu shot if you haven't done so already. Even if this year's vaccine isn't a good match for H3N2, it does offer protection against the other flu viruses going around. H1N1 and influenza B are more easily prevented with the vaccine, so getting your shot now can reduce your risk of these other infections, even if it won't necessarily prevent H3N2. And FYI, word on the nerd streets is that influenza B infections are on the rise across the country. We know vaccines are a controversial topic now for a lot of completely fucked up reasons, which we won't get into, but the punchline for the flu vaccine is that the benefits far outweigh the risks, both for yourself and the community around you. And it used to be thought that those that have allergies to eggs should definitely not get the flu vaccine, but a recent study published in the Annals of Allergy and Asthma, not to be confused with the Annals of Allergy and Asthma because that's some completely different shit, yeah. but a recent study in the Annals of Allergy and Asthma found the flu shot to be safe and recommended its use even for people who are allergic to eggs. So there you have it. Now you know how the flu shot works and even why it sometimes doesn't work and why you should still get it. Keep in mind that children over six months old and the elderly over 65 years old should be first in line to get their shots because the babies, well, their guard dogs are just puppies. They need all the training they can get. And the older folks, well, their guard dogs don't react as quickly as they used to. Kill, kill. Kill, kill. 
so they need all the head start they can get. A new version of the vaccine is developed twice a year since the influenza virus rapidly changes and it's reformulated each fall and offered to at-risk groups like the elderly and healthcare workers like Dee and myself. The flu season in the United States tends to start around November and continues to peak all the way through April and sometimes May. So again, there's plenty of time and reason to still go out and get yours should you want it because it's gonna protect you from getting sick way more than if you don't get it. And if you do get sick and had the flu shot, you're less likely to get as sick or be sick for as long as you would have if you didn't get the flu shot. So get your fucking flu shots. Pretty please, with sugar on top. Hope y'all learned something and hope at least some of y'all that were on the fence about getting the flu shot will now get one after listening to your source for hacking health, humanity, humor, and of course hip hop, the one, the only, Medicine Remixed. Peace y'all. This is probably one of the hardest things to do, and that's ask for help. We need your help! On any front, asking for help medically. I don't need therapy. Asking for help life-wise. Need help! Need help now! Asking for help supporting Medicine Remix. I guess it's all uncomfortable. Uh. No easy way to do it. Until now. The folks over at Anchor have decided to unveil something that we think is pretty dope. Ladies and gentlemen. It's called listener support. And the way it works is you go to anchor.fm slash medicine remixed and it'll take you to our page. There's a support button. Click on it. Follow what it says. And bam, you have now donated the vital blood to this organism that it needs to keep on pumping. Thanks for listening. Medicine Remix.